0: Hello and welcome to Between the Lines, the podcast that introduces you to some of Canada's lesser-known authors and writers who have either yet to begin or have just begun to make their mark on the writing world. In this season, our third, we will focus solely on Canadian poets and their poetry. Some of my guests have already been published, either self or traditionally, while others have yet to take that plunge. I think it is not only important to give each and every one of them an equal opportunity to be discovered, but to be heard as well. I'm your host, Randy Lacey, and I invite you to join me Between the Lines. Hello, Kathy, and welcome to Between the Lines.
1: Good morning, Randy. It's good to be here. It's nice to nice to know I got somebody familiar in the province of Alberta, Are you a- U.S. <laughs> Are you as cold as we are up here?
0: Well, it all depends. I mean, I moved to Alberta from Manitoba, Winnipeg specifically. So I know cold and I know hot.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, then I guess I don't have to tell you about Alberta cold.
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) There's another story. I will save that for another time. (laughs) Um, Before we get into the nitty gritty of the interview, um, I wonder if you'd be okay with Giving us a little uh, bio about who Kathy is and what makes Kathy Kathy.
1: Okay, I can do that. I would say that, but the one of the best things that I can say is that I am a student, an observant student of life. Um, I'm a poet and and a prose writer as well. I write about life, and I live in Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta. So. Yay. Yeah, Um, so I'm a Canadian and um, I've been raised with a lot of tolerance for other um, differences in outlook and lifestyle. And that was a gift from my parents who were, my father was in the military. So we moved around a lot and that exposed me to a lot of different uh, parts of Canada, different kinds of people, different ways of looking at life. And I I think I bring that to all my work, too. So I have two daughters, um, adult daughters, and two adult grandchildren. And My husband and I are retired, and we just moved to a condo. And we're planning on going for a cruise and um, a trip to Mexico. I'm jealous. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we've been a couple of times, and we really do enjoy going to the warm, especially in the winter. So um, I guess I'm just passionate about all kinds of writing. Um, all the poetry that I've written, it comes out of my life experience, I guess, mostly. Um, we've been scuba diving. We do, we've do, we been RVing, um, you know, doing backyard living thing and grandchildren and all of that. That's where most of my poetry comes from, is from just being living, living life and and talking about it in my poems having my say i guess yep i have a, a i've written a couple of um i have a couple of books of poetry uh that are actually self published um and a, several uh, chapbooks that i've made myself um i've been had stuff included in anthologies um and i've had uh have a volume of as well as um uh, poetry i have a volume of Essays, a book of fairy tales, uh, an autobiography, uh, three children's books, etc. So I've tried almost every genre of writing.
0: We'll we'll talk at length uh, about those a little later in the uh, interview.
1: Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. That's, so the, um, go ahead. The last thing I just wanted to say was that I have training as a journaling facilitator, a grief recovery specialist um I've given readings I'm a toastmaster I enjoy leading journal writing workshops I am uh, one of the members of our local writing group uh, I lead a reminiscence group at a senior's lodge and um I assist others uh, with writing reminiscence letters for their family and friends
0: hmm. Yeah so you're a, a Jill of all trades
1: I am indeed I am indeed <laughs>
0: I haven't used that term before. I've used jack of all trades many, many times, but agility of all trades, no. That's wonderful. Thank <laughs> you for sharing a little bit about yourself. You're welcome. Normally, at this time or juncture, we would go directly into um, question period, but season three is focused entirely on Canadian poets and their poetry. Um, so, with that being said, this is the Perfect opportunity to uh, introduce one of your poems to us. So do you have one ready to read? I do indeed. The floor is yours.
1: Thank you. So as I said, most of my writing, most of my poetry comes out of my life experience. So this first one is called Stormy Weather. Black clouds collect on the sky of his eyes. Bruised energies threatening rain. In the crackling air, she paces like a caged creature. Snipping the air, she circles and circles, hunting for safe shelter. Her inner door bangs shut with minutes to spare before word storms spatter like rain on warm wood. She watches through windows of fear, feeling sick to her stomach. Wind rages, flings droplets of spittle, On her tear-stained face, she runs to a haven of distance, holds on, clinging to hope, awaiting an enlightening flash of grounded courage and calm. That's poem one, number one.
0: All right, so that was a wonderful poem, by the way. Um, Thank you. You... Stated earlier, and not that long ago, actually, but you stated that your writing comes from personal experience. So, I'd be curious to find out what inspired that.
1: Uh, A rough relationship. (laughs) And a relationship that's uh, been stormy. Okay. Just exactly like the poem says.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. So, so all of you goes into your writing, basically. Sure does. Sure does. Wonderful. Well, that's a great kickoff to uh, your poetry. Thank you for that. And let's let's get right at it and go into question period. And we'll start with question number one because that's usually a good place to start. Yes, it is. <laughs> what is the focus of your writing? When when you write, do you stick to a certain topic?
1: Well, like I, like I we just were saying, uh, life writing life experience but I think uh, most of what I like to do is to focus on for one thing expressing how I feel and then also there are things like spirituality Mm -hmm. and emotions Um, mm, just I guess those are the main things Uh, poet I one of my favorite tools in poetry is metaphor And I find metaphor really works well for talking about things like emotions and um, spiritual experiences and things like that. So when I, a lot of my writing is, is about life, but it compares it to other things. If I'm talking about something um, abstract, when I use metaphor, I can make it concrete and then it's easier Um, to express and easier sometimes for other people to understand as well. So go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that that's basically where I come from. Most of my poetry is about my life experience.
0: Okay. That's, that's a great answer. Um, I'm going to um, mix it up a little bit for you though. Okay. So, life experiences so you're writing as the experiencer do you ever write as the observer
1: yes i have yeah yeah which is Um, easier oh from my own experience yes for sure but it from from another point of view um i've done animals like totem animals or from my children um like that, like uh, other other people in my life, I think I switched sides in order to to make a point about their experience and how it affects me.
0: Yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. That's fair <laughs> enough.
1: What is
0: involved with your writing process?
1: I guess one of my favorite things is looking at the big picture, um, the big picture of the world, the big picture of the process of my of my growth um it's bringing so it's bringing together physical intellectual emotional and spiritual things in me to um exp- <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a toughie um yeah so i would say looking for the big picture is important to me finding perspective um Looking at opposites and similes and metaphors and same and different and connection to all things, um connection to other people, um easing loneliness for other with others and also with myself, um sharing my own loneliness so that's carried over into people and my interest in people because I'm a real big people fan. Um so i'm I'm always looking to understand things and communicate what I see
0: no that's it's uh, all good stuff right there,
1: yeah, so creating poetry is for me is like taking dictation and i and i I listen to what I write I read what i like what I write, and I listen in the silence I listen for Examples and metaphors and um ways to come at something okay uh, so that i I guess I would I close my eyes and try to visualize things, or <clears throat> I close my eyes and just listen um, and then the poems kind of present themselves,
0: okay um, <clears throat> so yeah. I don't know if this is a fair statement or not. I'll let you uh, be the judge of that. But um, from what I'm hearing, that's how you work while you're writing. But before you sit down to write, do you have something in mind to write or do you just sit down and go and let it come?
1: Oh, usually it's there's something that I have to say. I have, I have done the sitting down and just writing what comes and that's okay. Um, but I find that, I'm better if I have something specific to say.
0: So, you're the kind of writer slash poet slash whatever it is that we do, Mm -hmm. um, who needs to convey a message or feels that there's a message to convey in what we write? Mm Or what you write? Yeah. Okay. Um, Uh,
1: Go ahead. One of the things that I was just thinking too is that, um one of my favorite things about poetry is being able to twist language. So mm-hmm. if I hear a word that uh, appeals to me, uh I sometimes will write a poem that connects my spirituality with this word. Okay. Or, and and I I find that's kind of fun. Like there's also always a, a quotes or um, imagery, or something out of a book, or that that comes comes is presented to me, and then it's then it's like, oh, okay, now what where what do I do with that? Like, mm-hmm. how how does that apply?
0: In my writing group on Facebook, I don't think you're a member yet, but we'll get you in there. Okay. Uh, or you might be. I don't know. I haven't I haven't looked recently, but anyway, uh, I put out a um, obscure word for the day. Okay. And, you know, the word, and then it's it's meaning. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and my intent behind that was for people to look at the word and go, oh, I'm going to try and use that word or use what it means in, mm-hmm. in something that I write. Before I did that, I used to do um, uh, lost word of the day. So basically dead words. Okay. I found a website that has a, a, a huge list of dead words alphabetically. And I would post those. And um, I used to challenge myself to write a poem using one of these words. And like one of my favorite poems that I've ever written was for the word odoriferous.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: And so the poem, <laughs> that's a good one. It is. And the poem was actually called odoriferous bliss. And it basically talks about all the the sense that I love. And I, I just thought it was in my first book, but. Um yeah I think people should should use words in nice weird ways.
1: Mhm. one of my one of the things I I uh, enjoyed as a kid um <clears throat> was taking names um like naming the dentist the dentist is Dr. Gum mm-hmm. or the carpenter is is Mr. Wood. Yeah. Um you know like like to make the connections between things. Yeah but also, etymology is really cool. Like going back and looking at the history of a word. So mm-hmm. it's like you're saying about dead words. It's 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 fascinating to me where words come from.
0: Yeah, I think it's fascinating that such big words are used for such small definitions.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I like that. Um,
0: you strike me as the kind of person who's a, a an avid people watcher, so you would be one of those people sitting in the mall just watching and listening people go by
1: uh-huh yes Is that you've written i've written uh essays i wrote a um a short story that was included in an anthology and it was about just about that like I was traveling to Toronto and i was on the uh, in the airport and on a plane and there's descriptions of of people um and it' it's, it's exactly that. I really love, I'm very good at at watching people and picking out their what's going on for them just by their body language um, and their the words that they use. I, I love that.
0: As a visually impaired person uh, prior to becoming a visually impaired person 12 years ago I was a people watcher as well. Now I'm a people mm-hmm. listener. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I could sit there and it's amazing <laughs> that you know, you could be sitting there and people are walking by and what they freely talk about or say out loud within earshot of anybody, not realizing that they're feeding people's imagination.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think there's stories that come out of that, too. Oh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Third <laughs> question. Oh, unless you have something else.
1: No, that's great. Go ahead. Okay. Um,
0: Do you describe yourself as a contemporary romantic poet? Uh,
1: When when I saw that question, I thought, I don't know whether I am or not. I've never considered myself as that. But when I looked it up, what's a contemporary romantic poet, I thought, oh, absolutely, I am.
0: Okay, explain why.
1: Because, well, the, the definition that I read was, that it's about sentiments, emotion, melancholy, um, supernaturalism, nature and imagination. And I mm-hmm. went, Yeah, okay. That's what that I am, a contemporary romantic poet.
0: It's not the truth though, right? But we have to put everything in a nice little <laughs> neat box, don't we?
1: Yes, we do. And that we're applying those words that we were just talking about, asking a question and taking a word out of it. Um, and there you have it. It's it's um a definition and I love that. I right away go to Google <clears throat> or my Thesaurus, which is my favorite book. Is that the dictionary? No. Nope. No, nope. it's the Thesaurus because it's got so many levels of meaning in words. I, I only just not long ago um read about the history of Mr. Roger who wrote who wrote the um thesaurus and where it came from. Why he wrote it? And I mm-hmm. thought, oh, now that's cool. And it's exactly what I love about looking for levels of meaning and also looking at um history. And also, it's all about the words. Well,
0: words <laughs> is what makes us tick, isn't it? Uh,
1: <laughs> that's for sure. um,
0: yesterday, as I was going over our questions for today, some other questions came up in my mind that I didn't include, but I think I'm going to ask you one of these, uh, just uh, <clears throat> love is a predominant or love is predominant in just about everything anybody writes. Is, would you agree with that? There's there's a well, love theme to just about everything.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Because there's, a, you have a relationship with everything that is.
0: So, so the conclusion yeah. well, to that ahead. though is, does this make those people who contrive these romantic writers. So basically what I'm saying is that everybody who writes love makes them a romantic writer okay. of some sort.
1: Okay. I kind of don't put necessarily romantic and love together because I think love is bigger than that. Well, like not just romantic.
0: No, that's fair enough. <laughs> I might edit that question out. <laughs> <laughs> okay but, but yeah I, I just find it um i find that love or topics like that um you you watch any movie you watch uh, listen to a song listen there's usually some element of romanticism or love involved
1: yeah yeah right? i can
0: read that and uh especially in music for for uh, i don't know why but anyway um no that's wonderful do you have another poem you'd like to share with us
1: at this time Oh, well, I sure could. Well, why don't you? Okay. <laughs> um, the second one I was going to read is called Jacob's Ladder. Oh, and okay. This, and this is exactly what I was talking about. Uh, ex- life experience, and this is a backyard experience. Okay. So, <clears throat> on a late autumn day, she wanders the backyard, crunching a carpet of golden leaves. She chatters to the squirrel on the fence, smells crabapple wine in the air. An overturned sandbox bends over the fence next to a lonely old wagon waiting for a fill of snow. In the trees, plastic wind dancers twist their illusions, disappear into nothingness like a stairway for angels ascending, descending, playing the summer away. I have to say that those, uh, those uh, plastic wind dancers were one of the best presents that anybody ever gave to me. Oh yeah. <laughs> My grandson bought them at a garage sale and uh, I thought it was a perfect gift for me because I love the wind and um they have that element of disappearing into nothingness that really appeals to me.
0: <clears throat> There's a lot of writing that includes wind or uh situations that involve wind. It's it's mm-hmm. quite cool actually. I like yeah, I like wind too. Uh, Mm -hmm. so obviously the she in that is you Mm -hmm. okay good 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 um do when you write something like that is there significance or is it just i needed to get it out
1: i think it's a description of an experience uh, that i that i want to to put out there um this It was sitting in the backyard, taking in all of those things and enjoying the wind and the smells and the the it it's the the sensual things I think that really turned me on when it comes to writing a poet poem It's like a, a descriptor um mm-hmm. uh, of of an experience
0: but not um, everybody can relate to it necessarily
1: mm, true, but it's
0: still important to share
1: yeah i I hope that most of my writing does relate to other people and that they can take a, a bit of nature everybody's connected to nature in some way or emotions or and and those things are are all around us all the time and i i would i hope uh one of the things that I like to do is to try and connect people to people through uh description and uh experience.
0: Well, your first mention of wind in that poem uh, took me to standing on the Trans-Canada Highway hitchhiking across the country. Lots of wind blowing, especially in the prairies.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Saw that yesterday in the
0: snow. Oh, no kidding. And uh, I mean, you know, wintertime, it's especially windy on the prairies, uh, standing on the Trans-Canada Highway, been there, done that. Um, But at any given time, that's, you know, that's where... I I think of wind. That's where I go. Yeah. So you brought yeah. me there. Thank you.
1: And and I might have to say, and not that I'm particularly plugging something, but I have a um, a chapbook that's called "Wind in the Trees." Okay. And every poem in there has wind in it.
0: Oh, well, that's a, so it's a themed book. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I've I've often thought about doing that, but uh, I don't think I could pull it off
1: (laughs) ah you might surprise yourself
0: well I always do I always (laughs) do in the end um next question um who are your favorite poets and what appeals to you about their poetry
1: well um Khalil Gibran was one of the first poets that I was introduced to back when I was very young um I was like when I left home, I think I was 21, and my my aunt gave me a copy of the Prophet, and um, and I started with that, and I, I love the way he describes things, and all of his in that book, all of the chapters are about things in life, like uh, children and um, marriage and death and. All 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 the components of life and the way he describes them is really quite amazing. I just really they're very sensual. So that would be one. Mm-hmm. Um, John O'Donohue it has a, a similar feel for me. John O'Donohue is was a, an Irish priest, and his writing again is is different, of course, than Colin Gibran, Gibran's, and it has a probably a very Catholic. Um, bent to it mm-hmm. um but he uses that same kind of um writing about life and life experience his are things like um death and um how um uh, changes in life but his poetry is quite different than Khalil Gibran's, but it, it still kind of covers the same the same areas and of course Leonard Cohen, you can't be Canadian without being a Leonard Cohen mm-hmm. fan. <laughs> uh, and, and if you think about it, his are like that too. His a lot of his stuff is is dark, but it's also um, it's very profound in a lot of ways. Profound about relationships and people.
0: I've always well, I'm I'm 58 years old. I've always known who Leonard Cohen is, and mm-hmm. I'm a big lover of music. But I didn't start really appreciating anything that he did until, you know, in the last decade or so. And um, I've really come to appreciate Leonard Cohen. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. It always makes me, all of his writing or his songs, they all make me think about what does he mean by that? You know, what's the hidden meaning? What's the symbolism in it? Some of the songs just blow me away. I
0: think your cat's agreeing with you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right
0: uh, yeah um, when I sit down to write I usually have a playlist going and Leonard Cohen is usually and when I say a playlist I mean full albums yeah <laughs> so I've got like the Leonard, Leonard Cohen greatest hits and I listen to that and you know grateful Dead. anyway um, yeah I just it I need sometimes I need music to, to really inspire me
1: yeah yeah I, I, I I think lots of times I don't um, listen to listen to music, but it's kind of um, uh, nonverbal music, you know, like it doesn't have lyrics, it doesn't have, it's just mostly sound and, and uh, the experience of the music.
0: That's fair enough. Uh, It takes all kinds to inspire all kinds. Mm -hmm. Absolutely does. You can use that. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) uh in your opinion is poetry dying or do you do you think there is still uh enough interest in it to keep on writing it
1: generally speaking i I think the world needs poetry because poetry can show you can so a person could see something that's beautiful and write about it in poetry. And sometimes it's something ugly, but the words can make it something beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so expressing the ugliness in a way that others can see the wonder of it. Um, I've seen some poetry that's like that. And sometimes when people can write about the darnest things, and it and it, it's got a beauty to it. And it's the the way. Um, the lyrics and the beat and the sound of, of the poetry. Um, it, it gives it a whole different view than, mm-hmm. than just writing about it. So it's the, the magic and the power of that is what makes for, um, inspiring other people. And it also is an opportunity for people to hear magic in words. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I just love is being able to use words to to inspire other people and to touch other people. I, I wrote down a quote when I was <clears throat> looking at this question, and it's a, a, a few lines from Allen Ginsberg.
0: Okay, go ahead.
1: I did a, I did a whole lot of stuff about him one time, too. The, the, the only thing that can save the world is the reclaiming of the awareness of the world. That's what poetry does and and I think that's absolutely true, it brings an awareness
0: and since the dawn of creation, man, woman, human beings
1: mm-hmm. have
0: been expressing themselves with words, whether it be vocal or the written word
1: mhm, yep,
0: and so yeah, um, I think the other aspect of that question i was I was looking for, maybe I should be re uh, redo that question but um, over over time there has been a lull in the popularity of, of poetry there's been uh you know a resurgence of it it's it's spiked it's you know that was what like the renaissance it was like poetry and art and you know and then it declined and it's it's gone up and down like a huge roller coaster and in today's culture would Would you think or would you say or agree that uh poetry is nowhere near its popularity as it used to be, but is on
1: the resurgence
0: resurgence
1: well, the darndest kinds of things uh they <laughs> they call they call poet like one of the kinds of poetry that it amazes me that people understand and can catch is rap, and I've mm. seen poetry done. Uh, live uh, done like rap, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's amazing to me that they could take that and make it into a rhyming thing. That's that's just a whole all about the beat and the and the like. I think that's that's really amazing. I can't do it. I know that. So I recently,
0: <clears> I recently <throat> interviewed uh, a gentleman who's a retired. Um, professor who taught creative writing uh, Mm -hmm. off in Ontario somewhere and much to my surprise and delight I might add is uh, he he actually goes up and 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 reads poetry and stuff like but he did a rap for me he raps and like he's retired so I mean you know he's older than I am and he rapped and my goodness it was so cool and basically rappers are poets
1: yep Oh, definitely, definitely.
0: And uh, so I'm just, yeah, It's it was kind of cool. It was a neat experience for me. Now, that last poem that you read for us, um, there's not a lot of rhyme in it. So are you are you not a rhyming kind of poet, or are you just?
1: No, I'm not. <laughs> I can answer that. Absolutely, I'm not. But I have had, I went to a, a workshop one time with, um, um, What's his name? Um, anyway, <laughs> what? <well, well, laughs> yeah, um, it was a. It, there was in in the workshop. He talked about interior in internal rhyme. Mm-hmm. So, rhyming that that carries through the poem. That's a middle of the line. It rhymes with the end of the line. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was. I didn't even know that existed until I, I. I guess I'd done it, but I didn't have a name for it, and I didn't know that's what I was doing. But when I it was Patrick Lane was the person and what I so I came away from that with I guess I do know how to rhyme, but not necessarily at the end of a sentence.
0: No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I am a predominant rhymer. Mostly everything mm-hmm. I do is is in rhyme. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't help it. I'll walk down the street, I'll see something and then I'm automatically in that rhyming stage. Yeah and that's just to me that's what it is i've tried my hand at the other way and the other way doesn't seem to gel for me if you know what i mean mhm yep but uh, yep. and i'm i'm not formally trained it's just something that i that i've done but um what are the challenges or benefits uh and drawbacks for that matter um to self publishing
1: well, challenge-wise, <clears throat> I think you have to be careful about your publisher. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, so to find the right publisher for the work that you're doing, marketing—I hate marketing—but yeah, with a <laughs> with your with your own with a publisher, a private publisher, you have to do your own marketing. They even do some, but you know, you have to do it yourself. Really. Uh, and a lot of times, publishers—the publishers that I'm aware of. Uh, have a local market so it's not necessarily um, a national audience or although I've seen people take who have been published by the same publisher as me who um, have gone out into the world and they they do poetry with all kinds of of groups and all over the world so I get it's just I, I think it largely depends on the person and what you're what you're good at, or what you like to do.
0: So you're not talking vanity presses here. You're just talking smaller publishing houses.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: Okay. Is uh, so that's a, a challenge. What about mm-hmm. drawbacks or?
1: Um, I think the drawbacks and challenges are kind of the same. The as I said, marketing is a is a drawback for me. Um, I have to very. Uh, I think a lot of times I I publish, but I don't even really think about the marketing. <laughs> I'm publishing what I want as opposed to what uh, readership is, which is not necessarily good, but it works for me.
0: <laughs> um, Again, okay, so that would bring up a, a question that you know wasn't scheduled. But who do you write for then?
1: I would say uh, probably myself more than anyone else. But also, I think I write for for to to offer encouragement, inspiration. Um, under so the people understand each other. You mm-hmm. know the connection, not just me, but that I'm a human being, and my writing can apply can apply to anybody who's a human being. So it's not like it's not a specific audience. I guess it's more. Um I like to think that it's more general than that, more inclusive maybe.
0: in sort of. most of my books, which are self published in most of my books, I quote myself because I can um mm-hmm. and it and basically it goes like this: I do not necessarily write because I have something to say, but rather because there may be something you need to hear
1: yeah, I agree, totally agree yeah
0: yeah and uh and and that's the gist of why i write yeah Uh, you know one to get it off my chest but two because something in what i'm saying is going to appeal to somebody and affect them in a way that they need to be affected and if we don't write it and we don't put it out there they're not going to get it so
1: i get yeah i i would have to really agree with that
0: somebody does thank you
1: (laughs) (laughs) sometimes i think when you when you write something that's not necessarily popular or it's not something that is um, acceptable uh, maybe it's embarrassing or it's um you know you think somebody might judge you for it or uh, sometimes those things are the things that other people need to hear that they're not alone and they they are have been affected in the same way as you in some way
0: So is there any fear when you're writing what you write?
1: Sometimes, yeah. Why? Usually when I write about my family, um, my family of origin, as I see things very differently than my family, people in my family of origin. And so (laughs) when I write about that, I don't like to be... (laughs) Um, I feel sometimes like I might be uh, rejected or or that I'm not... uh, I don't follow the party line, so... It's it's kind of scary to write about things. You're not sure how it's going to be taken.
0: So are you telling me you're a rebel? Somewhat. Aren't <laughs> black sheep, writers,
1: baby. Black sheep, baby.
0: Aren't most writers rebels of some sort?
1: Oh, <laughs> yes, we <they> are. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, for those of you it's... listening, I'm nodding my head in agreement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, and you said black sheep, and I can certainly relate to that. And I bet you the majority of the people listening um can relate to that to some degree,
1: yeah yeah um,
0: but uh, anyway <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> that's a good one, yeah
0: uh would you like to have a collection of your poetry traditionally published? Why or why not?
1: I would um I think i have uh, I'm not sure how many poems I've put out in my writing life. But it would be wonderful to take the best of what I've done and mm-hmm. put it into a traditionally published book. But in order to do that, I think a person has to be, um, understand the process of submitting to a publisher, um, and be able to write a synopsis and, uh, um, have things edited so that they really fit. Um, I guess it would be, I would really if I'm going to work with a traditional publisher to have a have an editor to help me polish the poems Fair so enough. that they that they fit in a in a in a theme. Um, with,
0: without giving your age away, how long have you been writing?
1: Um 35 plus years.
0: Okay. So you've written a lot over the, that time.
1: Yes. And it, it isn't it hasn't wasn't necessarily from childhood. Mm-hmm. it was from when i was a young adult right yeah
0: i'll i'll tell you this story but uh, it'll it'll come out of the out of the interview in 2015 i had a new year's resolution so december 31st 2014 that i was going to write a poem or try to write a poem a day for a year
1: oh that's yeah. a big challenge mm-hmm. it is i
0: tried it the year before and failed miserably Uh, But I was determined to try it again. And after 13 days, I failed. But I went and I looked at what I'd written in those 13 days. I had more poems than days written. And then I went, well, wait a second. What is the ultimate goal here? The ultimate goal is to have 365 poems by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Right? So I changed my goal, the wording of it. And then by November 21st, I had succeeded. Right? That's so pretty cool, yeah, yeah, but if you redefine your goal, then you haven't failed. That's and true. and if you if if you accomplish what your your redefinition is, you know it makes it easier to achieve. And I, I mean, you know i've I've lost many, many books full of poetry because I quit high school five times, so my locker, I never cleaned it out, I had stacks of poetry in my locker. So mm-hmm. uh, to this day, since 2013, when I published my first book, I'm well, over a thousand. And I'm not saying that to boast, but it's, you get in that constant habit and you keep producing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Not all of them are going to be great, but they're starting. Yeah.
1: I think I, uh, I had a, when I was writing my autobiographic memoir, um, that took up a good chunk of my time for a good year. And I haven't really gone back to poetry the in the same with the same outlook as i did then okay before before the memoir because i kind of got taken away by a different kind of writing
0: (laughs) yeah fair Uh, enough
1: but but i'm back to it and i have like you were talking how how many poems you have i was looking through my folders there the other day and i have a good number of poems that i have never been published and that i can work on to make better and then do something with
0: so basically what i do is i start the year and i make a folder for every month Uh uh-huh and then you know whatever poem i wrote i i you know like if it's today's what the seventh so if i wrote something today it would be zero seven and then the title of the poem in the in the month of december folder and that's basically how i uh, catalog what I write mm-hmm. and so so far this year, um I have uh, whatever amount that I have successfully written completed, but I also have this troubling folder that's called unfinished
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I get one of them too and
0: it's got <laughs> twice as many as finished, and it's it's a daunting I don't want to do it, but I need to do it. And you have something like that, did you say? I do indeed. Yeah. We all know that that punishment that we give ourselves, don't <laughs> we? Um, <laughs> that is fantastic. So, I you seven questions, you got them, you gave them to me. We talked about them. What you don't know is there's an eighth question of my okay. choice. So,
1: right.
0: are you ready?
1: I'm ready. Go for right. it.
0: You're at a dinner party for writers. There are four empty seats at your table and you get to choose who fills those seats, dead or alive. Who are you choosing and why?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, top of the Leonard Cohen. Yeah. yeah. King David, because he writes really good songs. Um, Patrick Lane, Lorna Lorna Crozier. But they would be together, I would say.
0: Well, let's uh let's slide an extra chair in there. One more,
1: <laughs> one okay. Um, and Rumi, right? I got to get Rumi in there. He's a pretty cool guy.
0: <laughs> and why? Why? Yeah, why these? Why these four or five?
1: Mm. Well, What's,
0: what does every one of these mean to you that you would include them at your table?
1: Well, they great conversation. Mm. Great, and between them. As well as between me and them, uh, <clears throat> people like uh, Rumi. Uh, Rumi's poetry is the same speed as as uh, Khalil Gibran. It's Eastern, Middle Eastern, which I find kind of fascinating. Um, can and I can see the connection between, say, Khalil Gibran being he's uh, had some uh, Christianity in his stuff. And and so does so does um, well, I'll say John O'Donohue. Um, the there there's carryover between um, poetry that's between poets who talk about spiritual things. And, and definitely um, yeah. Uh, hmm. <laughs> that's a that's a hard question. I I would I would, <laughs> I would really enjoy talking to a number of different types of poets Mm -hmm. and hearing what they have to say about poetry. I I think that would make, that would make the dinner party very interesting.
0: It would be, it would be very interesting. And that's why I included this question. I I made it up today. So uh, (laughs) it, uh, it is a, 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 it would be an interesting scenario, I think for, for anybody. I mean, you know, uh, Mm. I think um, for my list, I would have to include Robert Service.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. See, that that was my very first introduction to hearing poetry or, you know, having it read to me. Robert Frost mm-hmm. would be another one. Yep. Dylan yep. Thomas.
1: Yes. Okay, uh, yes.
0: You know, I, I, it's amazing. We all have our certain lists that we would have, right? So it would be, can you imagine a room full of people like you and me having their guests? Like, oh, that'd be amazing. Because then you could table hop.
1: (laughs) You'd have have to have round tables, 10 at each table. You could really go go to town there, couldn't you?
0: Oh, man, it would be wonderful. (laughs) What advice would you give someone um, who says that they can't write a poem?
1: I would recommend that they read a book called um, Finding What You Didn't Lose, which was written by John Fox. Um And it's a poem about finding your own voice and and writing poetry that expresses who you are and it was I found it so nurturing to read because it was so there were so many things about it that were um so if I was to say to someone, you know if you read that book, you'll be able to see what it is that you own what you have to say of your own which which I think is the most the most important thing you've got to give yourself credit for what you know Mm -hmm. and, and give yourself an opportunity to say that, to say what you know.
0: Yeah. So again, you have said that you write from experience and we all know, um, you know, write what you know, we've heard that, you know, a thousand times each, write what Mm -hmm. you know. And, but and but well, there's a good combination what if you don't know anything like you're you're just so new at it you really don't know what you know
1: mm. Mm. well some of that would be you know you don't know what you know but that's the whole point is to find out what you know mm-hmm. and the things that you use in your poetry are mirrors to who you are um we all have needs that need to be met in learning what your own needs are um, for for self-nurture or, or forgiveness or love or kindness. Women, all those are all things that most people um, know something about, even if it's the lack of that. <laughs> you might
0: not know something, but you know what you feel about something.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: Right? Um, compartmentalizing is a a huge word today and it's been around for a long time but Mm -hmm. I wrote a a poem called my box of boxes right (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: I've got a box that I put all my little boxes in that I put all my little thoughts in Mm -hmm. and uh, I thought that was a a, a uniquely put together poem but that's really where we draw from isn't it
1: yeah absolutely it is I, and I, I found, I found that over the course of my, of my writing, my poetry writing, I've gone through stages when I'm writing about different things because different things are of interest to me. But they, they end up being, um, poetry that's taken me to a new place. Mm-hmm. And it's because, it's because it's something that I'm interested in that I'm interested in learning because learning learning is one of my very favorite things uh, i hate it know, i hate I, it i love yep yeah, i love learning
0: <laughs> I, I hate <clears throat> the, the sit down classroom learning i love life learning oh my great I'm grand- right there I, with you my great grandfather used to tell me he said get out of school get out and travel the country and learn about life yeah, yeah. you know wise yeah. man Well, yeah, he also used to say the day you stop learning is the day you die. That's true, too. (laughs) (laughs) The wisdom of our our elders. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go into part two here, which is um, called Shameless Plugging, which is really the reason why I do this podcast. It's great to talk about what we do, but the if you want to cut to the chase here, this is about putting lesser-known Canadian authors and writers in the spotlight for people to go, you know what, I think I'm going to try something from them. And this is why we do this. Yeah. So my first question to you is what books or book do you currently have available on the market and where can people find them? And you have an extensive list.
1: I do. I, know. I do indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um uh, Right now, I have, I think, six books on Amazon, and they're varied, varied books. Like, uh, there are two poetry books on Amazon. Um, there are, um, and of course, I have my books here, and I have every book that I've written here, and my mother has them too, so you could talk to my mom. Yay, mom! (laughs) But, um, I did have at one point, um, a website, which I don't have anymore. So, I have a kathy Sutherland author page on facebook and an instagram uh page uh but i don't i rarely put uh poetry stuff or my book stuff up on instagram that's uh, i do sometimes but not a lot uh, so i i think in order to to get any of my poetry it'd be my publisher and through me uh, and through you or amazon and and Amazon yeah
0: do you have an Amazon author page?
1: I did, but I haven't been there for a long time. I was done at the time when I was doing the memoir. Okay. So I don't, I haven't even been there. So I don't even know. I think I do.
0: Well, this podcast is also, I upload it to YouTube as well. Not as a video of you and me, but it's a waveform. waveform And mm-hmm. in, in the description, I put links to everywhere where you can be found. Okay. So, so I, I usually link people if they have an Amazon author page, I link people to that. Okay. Um,
1: uh, I I can have a look for that and get that back to you. I well can look for it
0: too. I'm I'm still capable, but
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm sure you
0: are. Well, <laughs> I try. And I think you gave me a, a listing of everything anyway, where it can be found and whatnot. So I'm mm-hmm. probably gonna be able to put that together on your behalf. Well, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, Second question. Are you currently working on anything? And if so, how close to completion is it?
1: Hmm. Well, there's that book of poetry um, where I'm putting together the poems that I haven't published before. Um, And I was going to call the book um, Piper's Dream. Because it's about the process and the flow of things. So each of the poems has some connection to that. And I used piping because that was my husband's work when he worked. He was a piping designer. So oh. he had a lot a lot of very good metaphors um for flow. <laughs> and oh, so a I think did... colorful
0: ones too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So that that's in the works right now. Um, I also was going to try a couple of nonfiction books, um, like writing type books, but I, I'm i uh, one of those people who starts a project but doesn't finish them. So I have a lot of projects I could do, um, but I haven't in the, in the last file.
0: <laughs> I think any writer that I've ever talked to is exactly like that. They've got so many things that they've started I haven't quite got back to
1: it it's a good idea (laughs) yes
0: (laughs) i'm actually working on um a low what what are they called low content book yeah like a diary journal stuff like that but it's specifically geared for writers and it's not a writing journal i'm calling it a uh i can't even remember what i'm calling it but anyway basically there's going to be a section with You know, character names, character traits, uh, plots, plot twists, uh, you know, and and things like that. So you can go back and forth and you have everything in in, or, you know, quotes or any anyway. That's another story. Number three. If you had to choose one of your books or poems as a favorite, which one would it be?
1: I don't think I could possibly say. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, what poem particularly?
0: It's like choosing your um, favorite child.
1: <laughs> that's right. I, I would say probably my favorite. Oh, I, I can't say that. i going just say one of my favorites is, is um, a book of poetry called um, a Balancing Act. And it has, it's a fairly, um, it's got a fair number of poems in it, but there, it took me a long time to find the flow of the poems in that. Mm. um to connect the poems to each other so they made made sense in the overall is that important to you yes yes i to have what's like the piper's dream having uh having some kind of concept um that flows through all the poems so that i think balancing act would be the one that's the most um hmm, my favorite one as far as poetry goes yeah okay
0: Now, you've kind of touched on this already, but we're going to go into detail here. So uh, where can people connect with you? Facebook, uh, email, snail mail, you don't look like a TikToker, but TikTok, (laughs) Instagram, uh, the list can go on and on. So I'll just leave it with that.
1: Um, Well, certainly all of those, all of those, uh, I I prefer one-on-one for real talk. Like on the phone or an interview like this, I really enjoy that. Or with all those poets in that room, um, <laughs> I would think uh, that uh, email certainly for requests for things or wanting to chat about what I do, email for sure. And I have two different email addresses. Okay. Um, one is uh, uh, Kathy Sutherland Shaw dot and I've had that account for a long time. And that's the other one. K A
0: T H I E. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, and um, also um, Sutherland Catherine M at Gmail. That's the one that's all over my my Facebook and like that. So uh, that one I yeah. So so those two for email. Um, my Kathy Sutherland personal Facebook page and my Kathy Sutherland author page. Uh, those those two Facebook things are are my main out there um, tools. So your preferred
0: method of contact. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Yeah. Okay. We'll do it this way. Can you share one final poem
1: with us before we close out? I sure can. And this is appropriate because it's called Moving On. (laughs) This is a childhood one that I that, um, kind of says something about my childhood. So, looking out the side window on my way from here there here to there, I mutter goodbye to the new girl sitting at my desk, the one hanging her coat on my hook, and I wonder who will be the blackboard monitor now and how the classroom will go on without me. Cool glass on my forehead. Present flashes into past. Fingers clutch familiar things: Trixie Belden books, a coloring book of Bible stories, a jar of broken crayons. I catch a glimpse as we drive past my childhood Jesus sitting on the curb. I know he'd put my hand on my, his hand on my hair and say, "Sadness is a rear view, fading as you drive away." And then he'd gently say, it's okay to invent details of places you once knew before they've disappeared completely from your heart. I shoulder check, wondering if I'll catch sight of him someday, somewhere, waiting on another curve. I know he'll ask me about resurrection, and I know the peace that comes after dying to the old place and waking up again somewhere new.
0: That's pretty deep.
1: Yeah. It it kind of speaks really quite directly to my, um, to my experience as a military kid moving around all the time.
0: Mm -hmm. And there's an element of faith.
1: Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, We all believe something. Yeah. I think. Go ahead. My very, my beliefs are pretty eclectic. Uh, They're (laughs) not just one thing. There are a lot of things.
0: I'm not here to judge you. <laughs> I'm here to <laughs> interview you. <laughs> um, in closing though, Kathy, um, what would you tell anyone who might be too afraid to take that chance on being published?
1: Mm, go for it. <laughs> yeah, go for it. I just that there's a, I think there's so many benefits to um, seeing your work uh, published, even if it's in a letter or in a little chapbook you make yourself, is something that you can hold in your hand and say, this is me and I really want to share this with you. And I, of all the things that publishing to me is about, and I would encourage anybody to do it, um, is, to, is to find a way to put it out there and share it with somebody. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not, even if it never gets published by a real publisher, but having something in your hand, a piece of paper that you can give to a friend, or you can um, leave as a, uh, a gift for someone who's experiencing grief, or a memory, a memory of someone. That if a person is new to publishing poetry, I think you've got to be open to whatever it is that you think has published
0: No, that's uh, that's all good advice right there. Back in 1979 is when I first started writing poetry at the uh, behest of my English teacher as an assignment. Mm -hmm. And uh, he indicated to me that uh, there may have been a talent worth developing uh, with regards to writing poetry. Mm -hmm. and he says uh you know it's raw but you need development and he says but you know what you should seek publishing one day well Mm -hmm. that was 1979 it took me to 2013 to publish my first book Mm -hmm. and of course life got in the way and you know other things got in the way of and the dream died but uh my first book called blind ambitions um and it's titled as such because it took me going blind to become ambitious about being published again so there's hmm. there's there's my connection and but yeah you know what for me it wasn't to 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 achieve monetary gain or fame or anything it was that sense of accomplishment that my teacher had put into me to, to get published and so now i had something that i can say i did it mhm and if you can do that the first time, every time after that, it's it's that much better. I think personally.
1: Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. Okay, just being able to—that's one of the things that's said in that John Fox book that finding what you didn't lose is that a lot of people are—they forget about poetry because they don't think it's good enough or somebody in their English class said, Oh, this is dribble or something like that. And and you kind of lose the lose it. But but I think coming back to it is when you realize that you that it's important and that you have something that you want to say.
0: You just use the word, but there's a a new form of writing stories or whatever it's called, drabble. Have you heard of that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I actually have. <laughs> 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 anyway, Kathy, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Um I, I always enjoy talking to to uh writers and poets and um and, and this has been a pleasurable experience. So thank you for agreeing and and coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Randy. It was fun. I don't think I think I don't get an opportunity to talk about writing poetry and where I come from with it very often. And so that's what that room with all those tables and sitting here talking to you does. It's an opportunity Absolutely. To talk.
0: Absolutely. And it gives us, because we do have a wealth of knowledge to share, right? Because oh. of the experiences yeah. we've been through with our writing process or our life process, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just as important as the poetry we produce is to know why and how. You bet. I'm I'm with you there. Absolutely. Positively. I made those words up. <laughs> So, yeah, thanks again, Kathy, and, uh, um, you know, happy writing.
1: Thank you very much, and you too.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Between the Lines. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and were inspired to either start writing or to keep on writing. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes or guests, you can reach out to us by sending an email to randy.btlpodcast at gmail.com. Use comment or suggestion in the subject line. For a copy of the transcript of this or any other episode, just send us an email using transcript as the subject line and indicate which season and episode you would like a transcript for. Visit my website, therandylacey.ca, where you can purchase one of my books, read my blog, and yes, even hear every episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed what you've heard and would like to hear more, click the Buy Me a Coffee button at the top right corner of the page to help cover the costs associated with keeping this show available to you. If you're ever feeling overwhelmed by the many lines in your life, take a deep breath and remember the wise words of Winnie the Pooh. Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Until next time, keep on keeping Between the Lines.